Hello, everyone. We are excited to be here today. I am happy to introduce the world to Dr. Cesar Lara. If you don't know him already, he is an amazing physician that I'm going to let him tell you about more than me explaining who he is. But um, as you might have seen or heard, I should say, from my last podcast with mom and dad, this is going to be very organic <laughs> and very authentic. We're going to have some fun and we're just going to have a conversation. But we are in beautiful, sunny Clearwater, Florida, yeah. right? It is the most beautiful day. The sun is shining and the palm trees are glorious. So we're sorry for you if you're not in a place that looks like ours today. <laughs> so let me introduce Dr. Cesar Lara. Say hello. Good afternoon. Uh, it is a pleasure to be here. It is an honor to be uh, part of uh, the initial podcast as you uh, uh, move this amazing new energy uh, in, into the world. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the people that know you realize the amazing being that you are, You're always so giving, always working hard, and always trying to see I did how... not pay him for this, I swear. <laughs> and always trying to see how you can uh, benefit others in mm. the process of uh, connecting the dots. So I'm very blessed to have you. You and... see why I chose him now to be the first physician <laughs> on the podcast. So, um, but this is going to be about you. And of course, I'm always humbled by the kind things that you say to me. But um, I want everybody to know what I already know about you, and that's more who you are and how you got to where you are today. So if you would be so kind to summarize that in the best way that you can from when you first landed here in this beautiful country that we live in today. So I was uh, blessed to be born in uh, Central America, Guatemala, and I was the first of uh, five children, and the family emigrated to the United States uh, as a typical immigrant family looking for uh, the benefits of their children's education and uh, more prosperity in a safe uh, environment. And uh, grew up in Chicago, uh, Was uh, eventually went to uh, college and medical school. Um, my vision as historically has always been to to be a physician. I've always wanted to be um, an, element, an element of a healing experience. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to, uh, more than anything else, identify with the idea of being a healer. Mm -hmm. And a medical doctor seemed to fit that uh, um, uh, that description really well, and so I began to navigate uh, uh, the journey to becoming a physician. I uh, graduated from University of Iowa and Iowa City, and from there went to Chicago to do my residency. Directly, I uh, uh, moved on to medical school, uh, did my residency in Chicago, and my residency was in family medicine. Uh, why did I choose family medicine? Because I really wanted to change the world, be able to deliver the babies, be able to talk to the grandmothers, mm -hmm. be able to teach uh, the mothers, the fathers, how to prevent diseases and how to be able to treat them and help them become healthy and uh, subsequent to my residency I moved to Florida sunny Florida where I wanted to put up my shingle I came here to Florida approximately 26 years ago mm -hmm. and started a family medicine practice it why Florida though why Florida I um, mean I, I know that obviously I moved here too because it's gorgeous mm -hmm, yes <laughs> but there was something about Tampa Bay that I, I, I needed to be here so do you know what it was? Was there a specific reason what brought you here? 
So for me, it was uh, definitely uh, when we looked in the whole, we wanted to be in Florida, or at least mm -hmm. I wanted, I was attracted to Florida uh, because I felt that that would be a great place to have a family, mm. you know, where you can go boating, be able mm -hmm. to play soccer with the children, have uh, sun 365 yeah. days of the year. It's not bad. And in addition to that, you know, it um, uh, as we looked at the different areas in Florida, the Clearwater area seemed to be a very... Uh, consistent with a uh, family oriented values mm -hmm. uh, there wasn't uh, a lot of um uh uh problems um with it was uh, safe it was safe yeah, you know, as opposed to miami in mm -hmm. those days was yeah. a little bit more challenging mm -hmm. um boca raton was a little bit more uh busy with financial issues yeah. and i wanted to have a little bit more of a homey type of an experience yeah. that was a little consistent with my midwestern background so it's so interesting because now Tampa Bay is almost like really cool. Yes, <laughs> but yes, yes. It wasn't it really so evolved. cool when we got here, right? No, it wasn't. It, it, I mean, I think about just 13 years ago, but you've been here for uh, 20 plus years? Yeah, 27 years. Wow. Uh, but, uh, we've been here in uh, Florida. So started my family medicine, did fairly uh, well within the context of that mm -hmm. specialty, got involved in formulation of health policies in the in in my hospitals and became chairman of my departments was really involved with it but then slowly i began to realize that i really wasn't making a difference in people's lives mm -hmm. i was extremely busy i had multiple offices multiple doctors i had to join my uh my uh my group and uh, from the surface it appeared that i was very successful but from a spiritual perspective i began to feel that i wasn't really able to reach my patients in a way that i was really able to deliver a more comprehensive and effective way to change their lives. So in the midst of, uh, of reaching this pinnacle in my career as a primary care doctor and a, um, um, uh, a personality within my own community uh, in terms of uh, my expertise in that field, I began to have significant amounts of challenges in terms of just seeing how the uh, managed care world was treating patients, uh, hurting them from one doctor to another, not giving them what they really needed. And more importantly, I began to realize that I couldn't even help my own mother. So that mm. was kind of like an area that really hit home for me because uh, uh, up until then, my motto was I treat my patients like family. Yeah. And, and I realized that I couldn't even take care of my own mother's multiple illnesses other than to continue to give her more medication. So she was taking diabetes medicines, insulin, cholesterol medicines, blood pressure medicines, even though her numbers look good, she felt awful. And mm -hmm. I realized that we weren't really getting at the root of the problem. We were just putting all kinds of band-aids. Lots and of band-aids. in the process of it, mm -hmm. she wasn't feeling well. So mm -hmm. I felt almost like disingenuine in the sense that what am I doing within the context of my knowledge of how to take care of patients? Because at the end of the day, even though my mom looks good on paper, she feels awful in reality. Mm -hmm. So That's heartbreaking. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. And I realized that I needed to take a hiatus from my usual and customary. Mm -hmm. And just as I was ready to maybe go to Arizona and study a more non-traditional ways, mm -hmm. uh, I got illuminated with the perspective that I could actually begin to do something now by helping people to change their lifestyle and mm -hmm. learning how to eat right. And from there... It was born the eight, the weight management practice that eventually actually not only helped people lose weight and look better, but more importantly, got rid of diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, prevented cancers, made people once again come to a center mm -hmm. within themselves. Without medication. Without medications yep. or minimal medications, mm -hmm. because I cannot say that every patient that I treat gets mm -hmm. off blood pressure pills, but... 
80% of them get off blood pressure pills. Mm -hmm. And so... And there's always a place for medication. There is. Mm -hmm. There is. And so, you know, that's how I evolved into the weight management practice. And so really, uh, at that point, my philosophy changed from one of empowerment. So I no longer wanted to treat people. What I wanted to do is to help empower them with the wisdom and the tools necessary so they can begin to self-heal themselves. And we moved into this place where we have had a wonderful experience. And how long ago was that? That was approximately 12 to, I would say, a good 14. Yeah. Yeah, 14, 14 years, years ago, ago, I think. Probably 13. It's yeah, a good, it's 13. A 13. We love 13. <laughs> Even yeah. if it's not 13, it should be 13 it was now. right around that time. Yeah. You know, I would say somewhere between 12 and 14, so 13 years seems feels right. So 13, so 13 years ago, I moved into the space of uh, empowerment uh, of my patients by teaching them the skills to how to eat better, to learn how to read labels, to learn how to recognize that what we put in our mouth can actually help heal us or can mm -hmm. poison us. So we have a choice and uh, begin to recognize the importance of uh, supplements, the importance of a mindset, mm -hmm. and ultimately the importance of just learning to love ourselves because ultimately most people don't have the time to appreciate themselves. Right. And subsequently, especially in the females who are mothers at home, who are working mm -hmm. uh, outside of home, they literally are continually just taking care of everybody and loving everybody, mm -hmm. but they got no more time to love themselves. That's and right. So I want to make sure that everybody understands that what you're saying and how paramount that is. We've had a lot of conversations, you and I, and a lot of the other physicians that I work with that you know, and talking about how most of this starts in, in our minds. Yes. And then travels through our self-esteem and uh, eases out through our insecurity. Yes. And it becomes overwhelming. And then we're so stressed that we continue to eat bad. And then we starve ourselves. And then we try a different fad diet. Or we don't eat carbs. Or we do eat protein. Or, and there's so much... Um, emphasis around losing weight, and I can say this, I'm a woman, mm -hmm. and, and how we're supposed to look and how we're supposed to present ourselves to the world, it's a ton of pressure. So the reason, one of many reasons why I, I love your program and, and you and what you've brought to our community here in Tampa Bay is that it's not just about what you eat. It starts in how we feel. And I've had the great pleasure of witnessing how you treat your patients and how you're not just talking to them about the food that they're putting in their mouth. Yes. So why don't we start with, um, I know that you're obviously you're affected a lot because of your mom and how you couldn't help her and, and, and how many people you've been able to help and save from, you know, horrific forms of cardiac disease or diabetes and um, let's talk about the mindset. Let's really dive into that. Okay, so let's talk about mindset. Now I know there's there, we could spend an, we could spend six hours probably talking about this subject, but I want everybody to understand um, from my perspective, looking at you and what you've done. Um, I'm no physician. I have no clinical background, and but I surround myself with a lot of great experts, not just here in this community, but some that I've been honored to work with in New York as well. Um, you yourself, when you closed your practice, your family practice, one year ago, yes. 
Isn't that amazing? It's been a year. Yes. <laughs> a whole year has gone by. It feels like 10 minutes. 10 minutes and it feels like 10 years at the same time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we should just say 13, though. I'm going to get used to saying that number even more. I know that that was very difficult for you to to do. And, and I think that people need to understand the, the why behind that decision. Because um, I've told you this before myself, so I don't feel so bad just talking about it on this podcast. It's very real. People's perception of somebody is is vastly different than what is the truth. And myself running a pediatric practice for many years before I opened my own business and started working with you, and just somebody from the outside not knowing anything about you, but just seeing you socially, you know, that perception like, well, here's this doctor who's, you know, he's going to capitalize on on people getting fat and then coming back in because it's like a big cash cow and you know, of course, they're going to go off the program and come back. I mean, really, people say and think the craziest things about what you might have done within your practice here without knowing anything about you. Yes. But I think that that's a real powerful conversation, right? Like, number one, of course, we shouldn't judge. <laughs> that's number one. But that's that's going to take more than this podcast to get mm-hmm. across to everybody. But what about the the fact that you've had your own struggles with taking a risk like going out and stopping just treating the chronic disease and treating the person as a whole right we're going to talk about that so the difficulty of me giving up uh, primary care uh, was more at an emotional level uh, because i feel that there's a uh, significant amount of my patients who have been with me for you know some as long as 25 years some as little as maybe six months but yet every one of them really was looking for some kind of a help whether it's you know help guide me with my cold help guide me with my blood pressure help guide me with whatever and I've always have been of the perception that every person that walks into my practice has been sent to me through a higher power and mm. so it is really my intention to help become the best doctor or the best healer that I can in the process of that but I began to feel very disingenuous when you have some someone coming in and they have a problem with the sugars they have a problem with cholesterol they have a problem with their blood pressure and the expectation is that you need to give them a medication mm. and the traditional way that the medical system works is if you do not give them the medicine that they need for cholesterol and something was to happen to them uh, it is not unreasonable to think that they wouldn't be going to an attorney who will then subsequently say that you did not act according to the Mm -hmm. standards of care and you didn't give them a cholesterol pill and therefore you were part of the blame so it began to be very disingenuous Mm -hmm. and it began to really be consistent with me feeding a system that I feel is really not giving the patients what they need. And it's also not why you went to med school. And that's not why I went to med school. <laughs> it's I, not why you wanted to be a healer no, or no, you didn't no. want to get into all the politics of medicine. I, I, I did not want to become Nor did you a, know, puppet probably. Of, of, a puppet of, of, mm-hmm. of a pharmaceutical, a puppet of a hospital organization. Right. What I wanted to do is to represent the persons in the communities who need help and me be the voice by which I could ask for Mm -hmm. things that they need and be able to be um, their their advocate advocate to be able to help transcend Mm -hmm. something bigger for them. And so 
with a lot of pain because mm. it was very hard for me to release and give that up. I realized that I could do more good by being able to focus and make it a clear impact in terms of how do I help you change your lifestyle? How can we help prevent diseases? This is an alternative aspect of what I can do. And yes, I understand all the mechanics of disease, the world of diseases and how to address it from a, from a conventional perspective. But this is a different pendulum, a different way of looking at it. And I felt that I needed to separate myself to actually be more effective in that arena. Okay. So let's lead in a little bit to, um, intention and, um, let's talk about why you took that jump and that leap of faith to close the practice and go full on. I'm going to, I'm going to really go full force into prevention versus chronic disease. Um, and, and what did that feel like for you? What did it feel like at first? He's taking a deep breath. You can't see him. <laughs> but I promise you, he just took a deep breath. So, so, so it felt a little bit like when you uh, go on a trampoline mm-hmm. and you know it's kind of high mm-hmm. and you know that you need to jump, mm-hmm. but you know that you are afraid to jump. Yes. You know, there's that element of fear mm-hmm. because anything that is new or mm-hmm. different, you there creates a significant amount of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And as human beings, we tend to become comfortable within our own environment, our own surroundings. It really brings down the idea of a story, right? And so we tend to create stories in our minds and many times it's not even our own story. Mm-hmm. Somebody else tells us stories that we begin to believe. And we believe and, them. And many times mm-hmm. there's stories even about ourselves yep. that we tend to believe. And so in it's really, uh, uh, for me, it feels a little bit uh, similar to um, uh, taking uh, something that was heavy on me and being able to discard it and being able to come up with a lighter self. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, aspect of intention is really, for me, what it resonates with is with the idea of who am I really? What is my purpose and what is my intention? Why am I in this world and what would I like to be able to do if I could do one thing? Mm-hmm. And when I feel that element of of deepness within myself, I realized that I came into this world not to acquire a lot of things. Mm -hmm. It is nice to have them, uh, but I came here to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And in order for me to make a difference, sometimes you need to take that road less traveled. And so that gives me courage, that gives me strength, and uh, thank God that um, I've had a family that has been loving and supporting, and friends that have been loving and supporting, but at the end of the day, even from the family and even from the friends, you need to sometimes take the leap within yourself because at the end of the day, your story needs to evolve. And, and don't you think, too, that you need to surround yourself with people that are going to build you up and support you and avoid the naysayers? Absolutely. Tell me who you go wrong with and I'll tell you who you are. Yeah. It's a, a common saying that mm-hmm. my mom and dad share with me. So, yes. But uh, sometimes we may be limited in our ability to make those rational connections but at the end of the day you know uh, as the buddha says um uh, what you think is what you become okay so who you surround yourself is who you become and then there's another piece of this journey that leads to another piece of the journey which (laughs) leads to another piece of the evolution so uh, so tell me 
what what was next for you? So uh, I became an expert in bariatrics. I was able to facilitate a significant amount of patients change through nutritional uh, adjustments. They were able to release the excess weight, be able to find uh, the confidence and the joy within themselves and begin to move forward in a healthier way. But then despite all those different changes, there were significant challenges in people over 40, 45, 50, 55. My age. Still getting problems <laughs> with... Uh, 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 with heart problems, uh-huh. that, you know, having significant uh, 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 problems that were associated with aging, mm-hmm. and that's where I really began to look into um, how do we, what are, what ways can we do outside of nutrition to prevent diseases? And the aspect of uh, endocrine and hormonal balancing became a pivotal point in being able for me to understand the impact as we age, when we our hormones begin to decrease progressively, and as soon as they decrease, suddenly we begin to have problems with aches and pains, we begin to have more heart problems. As a matter of fact, if you turn to be 85 this in, in our country, 50% of those who are 85 are going to have diagnosable Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. So the statistics in terms of aging mm. are significant. What can we do to prevent that? What can mm. we do to delay it? And so within the we context We still have of time. That, yes, we have plenty <laughs> of time. So within the context of that, I became an expert and, I, uh, and, and dealt into the study uh, of the field of bioidentical hormone replacement mm-hmm. to be able to bring forth another piece of the puzzle to my patients' understanding of prevention, optimal health, in addition to just keeping them at a healthy weight. Great. Well, um, I think that that's huge. And I know that you also had some success with your mom. Can you just talk about that momentarily? Yes. So my mother uh, uh, was able to not only lose 50 pounds, mm. I got her off diabetes medicines, got her off cholesterol medicines. Um, uh, she's literally uh, uh, mostly on supplements today. Mm-hmm. Um and she uh, is also part How of my doing? age management. She's doing great. Yeah. She's, she's uh, uh, 76 years of age now. Yeah. And, uh, you Feels know, I, I feel blessed to have her in my yeah. world. And she continues to be my, one of my guiding angels uh, that are alive and well supporting me. And, and I feel blessed to be able to enjoy her. Oh, so it's so great because I think that our family is everything. And, and a lot of the people that have done really well in, in their businesses and in their lives really have that amazing upbringing. So it's it's always so nice to hear you talk about your mom. Yeah. So evolving, right? Now, it's only been a year. Yes. <laughs> it's only been a year. But you have certainly taken this and just run with it. I think I think for all of us, when something feels right and we're listening to the signs and we're paying attention to the whisper, and when we're out in nature and, and we feel something, we can't ignore it anymore, right? We can't, we can't n- not move forward, even though it might seem different to some people or uncomfortable for somebody to hear or talk about. I think that, because this has happened to me myself, I've shared this with you, and I ride my bicycle, and I might be having a hard day, and I see a dolphin, everything changes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, my, my spirit animal. And I think that that happens with a lot of us, but there's fear wrapped around that. And we don't know, we don't know how to talk about it sometimes. We don't know how to explain what happens. And, and sometimes we just have to take another risk, right? Like just even me going through this today, um, deciding that 13th Avenue Media had to happen because it, it was being spoken to me in so many different ways, but I, 
I was afraid to listen to all of those signs because I was already busy enough, just like you're already busy enough. Yes. You're already running a practice and you have multiple offices and you have staff. And, and then you said, I think I'll go to Chile for a month. <laughs> <laughs> so tell everybody about that experience. So, you know, I've come to realize that, you know, the um, biology of our experience are definitely real. In other words, there's cells and there's dysfunctional uh, aspects to our cells that create disease. And then there's a relationship between our thoughts and how those thoughts can help create disease, whether it's by making us feel more stressful because that increases the cortisol, which subsequently makes our bodies get into this protective mode, not in the creative mode, which is consistent with disease producing. And so there's all these aspects of biological aspects of health that I've come to uh, understand in my progression. But then there's a continual aspect that has uh, uh, been um, a wandering aspect of myself, and that has been the aspect of energy. And uh, and the in the Chile experience was really an opportunity for me to uh, delve headfirst into the study of ancient philosophies and ancient science of healing. And this is otherwise known as shamanism. And shamanism, from the perspective of the Incas, which is where I became a student of, uh, is really being able to understand how to be able to recognize the energy fields that surround us and surround ourselves and be able to begin to interact with that. So I know that you love being a healer. Yes. And I've never forgotten that you said that because that's what you told your family when you were a little boy yes. in Guatemala, right? Yes. Am I right about this? Yes, absolutely. There's certain things I remember, but yes. I can't remember anybody's name, <laughs> <laughs> right? I do remember that story that you told me, and that's why I think the story is so important, right? And you never forgot that. You might have veered a little bit, and it wasn't even that you veered. You, you had to go through that journey of doing the, the, the primary care medicine and working in the hospitals and sitting on the board and opening multiple offices and putting up billboards yes. and being in magazines and getting ads and bringing more patients in and then to evolve into something else. And now you're in Chile, which I was so jelly <laughs> <laughs> that you were going and you were, you went by yourself yes. and you no the people need to hear this <laughs> and you went for a month, 28 Days. 28, the whole moon cycle, it's the way that you describe it because you have yeah. to literally be there for a whole moon cycle and every single day from 6.30 in the morning till about 9, 10 o'clock at night, you were in a complete dedication and study to the understanding and to the practice of learning how to uh, work with energy and how to be able to uh, understand its effects on our disease, its effects on our livelihood, mm -hmm. its effects on our reality. But I think it's it's paramount that everybody understands that's listening that you had just closed your family practice. You were um, just a few months in to this new world of, of uh, stepping out in faith, right? Yes. And trying to develop an, a new identity and bring mindset into it and talk more about this healing that you've been called from as a, a young boy yes. to, to, to go when it's almost like everything was going on, right? You were closing one office, you were moving to another office. You were like, well, nope, going to Chile. 
Because this is what I need to do, right? That's what you needed to do. Yes, That's how it, I it, felt. It was from a deep yes. calling from within me. Mm-hmm. Even my own wife yep. was like, are you crazy? Right. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do for a whole month down there? Right. You, you're and without her, really, and what with, are you going to do? No, without her. So, <laughs> And I knew it had to be uh, uh, a journey for myself because mm-hmm. I needed to go deep within myself mm-hmm. and be able to uh, come in touch with my deeper self so that I could come back in a more relevant aspect of myself. I needed to get rid of the masks that I wear. I needed mm. to understand who I truly am. And be, so I cannot heal at that And be okay with that, that right? And be and stand in that truth. Yes, yes. I cannot heal at that level without first learning to self-heal myself. So. Okay, so I remember the day that you were back here in Clearwater, Florida, and I was sitting with you, and um, you were reminiscing about Chile, and it was fresh, right? Yes. And, you, and, and I remember being afraid for you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking like, okay, you've had this great experience, and, and you were t- it, was, it was such a great pleasure to hear you write when you got back. You know, and you were talking about nature and, and, and the plants and, and yes. singing. Yes, yes, yes. Tell me about the singing. Well, uh, I have, oh, since I was in college mm-hmm. and sometime around there, mm-hmm. always felt that I could not sing. Mm-hmm. And cl- I clearly have a story in my mind that now has become a lot more blurred since yeah. I came back from Chile, uh, where uh, I took a class for an ECA when I was in pre-med. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, at the end of the first class, the teacher comes around and points to five, chil- five different students. Mm-hmm. I was one of them and says, I want to talk to you after class. I mm-hmm. thought I had won something. <laughs> and uh, what he told me is, you can't sing. All you need to <laughs> no. do is come and take attendance and you will get an A. Mm-hmm. So I got my ECA, but along with that, I developed a story in my mind that yeah. forever always made me feel oh, self-conscious about my singing. So sad. But when I went to Chile, this is the kind of energetic work mm-hmm. that allowed me to release that limiting thought process mm-hmm. and be able to come back from a perspective of the mm. idea that I can sing. So I feel now that I can sing. That's so great. I, I don't have this feeling anymore that I don't have a good voice, I can sing. Because what people tell us we can believe, especially at that young age. Yes. And how yes. sad that is. Yes. To yes. set up those limiting beliefs because of somebody else's yes. perception of us. Yes. And what an impact that had on you. How yes. many years ago was it that well, somebody told uh, you that? It was at least a good, you know, 30 years. Wow. Yeah, 30 years that I've, you know, oh, any place goodness. I go is like I can't sing. That wow. would be the first things that come out of my mouth. Now I don't say anything. Yeah. I just try. Oh, my goodness. That so. is so great. <laughs> well, just a funny story. So I was at a wedding that I mentioned to yeah. you when we were talking the other day. This is... Uh, off the cuff, right? I always said that everything that I do is going to be real and whatever comes to mind and in my heart. And I was at Sierra's wedding and you were supposed to be there, but you were in Guatemala, which is what we'll get to next, (laughs) the next trip of a lifetime. And um, I got into a conversation and before you know it, I had a microphone in my hand and I was singing at her wedding. And everybody was like, what are you doing? Like you're singing. And I had never told anybody in business that like I was a a wedding singer at one time in New York back in the day, very part-time, but it was just something that I didn't parlay into business. And what a gift that is to be able to, to be one with who you are authentically through and through. So what was the most impactful lesson, life lesson that you received while you were in Chile? 
So it's just that deeper understanding of our connectivity to everything that surrounds us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, from when you're looking at plants, when you're looking at the trees, when you're looking at a rock, mm. uh, when you're looking at a mountain, when you're looking at another individual, mm -hmm. uh, it is a deeper understanding that we're all connected in this oneness. Mm -hmm. and, and so to me, um, I had always kind of felt that. And sometimes you read a book here or mm -hmm. you hear this and it kind of helps you with that perspective, but uh, Chile uh, actually allowed me to experience that mm -hmm. and allowed me to understand it in a deeper way. It also uh, brought to the reality that uh, something that has already been expressed by many different thinkers, and that's that we, um, the spectrum of light in which we see things is literally less than 5%. Mm. So everything that we see is limited to less than 5% of the spectrum of light. So that means that there's a 95% that's surrounding us that we cannot see but yet we have the ability to interact with it and we have the ability to make it part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So again, it was more of a spiritual awakening mm -hmm. in the sense of allowing me to understand the oneness mm -hmm. in which we move on and our abilities to be able to um, affect the, uh, the development of the reality that we live or mm -hmm. the reality that we aspire by being able to connect with the, uh, with, with the significance of everything that is creating who we are today. So and you very also, profound for It me. is profound. And, and you were saying before that in, in order for you to heal anybody, really, you really have to heal yourself. Yes. And you had just another level of healing. So, so a typical example for that is, you know, as a typical doctor, mm -hmm. I would walk into a room and I would be looking at somebody, oh, you have diabetes. Okay, mm -hmm. so you're thinking diabetes, you're connecting diabetes, you're thinking disease. Mm -hmm. uh, from a shaman's perspective, when I walk into the room, you tell me you have diabetes, but I see the healthiness inside of you. Mm -hmm. I don't see the disease because I realize that by seeing the disease, I'm giving it more light. So the so there's a this there's a there's a significant shift in my ability to create health by being able to see the health in my patients, by being able to see a patient that walks in a hundred pounds overweight, see them at their healthy weight when mm -hmm. I first meet them. For me to be able to see them that way has an impactful energetic feel effect in their field and subsequently they can begin to see themselves that way. As long as we continue to see ourselves sick, disease less than fortunate, overweight or obese or whatever the problem may be, then we're continuing to feed that element of ourselves. So mm. it's been a huge shift in how to be able to integrate these ancient but modern concepts of quantum physics into the aspects of our healing. Okay, now we're going to Guatemala. <laughs> so he comes back from Chile. <laughs> and I think you had a Chicago trip in between. Oh, and by the way, everybody, he also had run the Chicago Marathon. Uh, in October. So yes. October, Chicago Marathon. November, Chile. Chile. December, December, the holidays. Went you know, to Chicago to visit the family. Yes. An amazing, you know, holiday season there. Yep. And January? January, kind work, of get back to Get to back work. to the grind. And my concern, still thinking, is he still thinking about nature and the trees <laughs> and singing, you know? And, and then um, we're here talking and you're going to Guatemala. I'm going to Guatemala. Yes. So I assumed, I just want the audience to know that I just assumed you were going to see your family. You said you were going there. I said, oh, well, of course, that's, yes. he's going to see his family. He hasn't been there in a while. That's so great. Yes. Bye. Have a good time. See you when you get back. Yes. Oh, little did I know. So what happened in Guatemala? Why did so, you go? So the journey in Guatemala was really uh, from an anthropological perspective. Mm -hmm. the, the intention of that was to really go with 
connect with the ancient Mayan teachings mm -hmm. and be able to go deep uh, within the context of their healing processes so that I can begin to integrate uh, uh, the Mayan perspective with the income perspective and be able to see how they resonate together, where are they different, you know, ultimately they're having the same perspective, which is mm -hmm. they're working with energy, but they're from two different cultures that were ancient. Mm -hmm. And so I had the uh, fortune to actually work with uh, uh, several masters within the context of the uh, mm -hmm. Mayan philosophy. They're called uh, Mayan timekeepers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I travel with a, a good friend, uh, Dr. Uh, um, Bob Drapkin, nice. uh, that many people may know, he's actually written books on anthropology. He's he looks a, like he's um, 45 maybe, Yes, right? Yes, but he is... He's past 70. He is past 70. <laughs> but, he's, but he, but he looks still amazing. does. He looks amazing. He yep. uh, continues to do a lot of work in the mm -hmm. areas of nutrition and weight training. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, the two of us, basically, he had... He goes to Guatemala often because mm -hmm. of his uh, his art love, uh, his art love, mm -hmm. and he collects a lot of uh, anthropological mm -hmm. art. And so between the two of us, we managed to uh, this time go deeper and yeah. be able to connect with the uh, uh, ancient ways of the Mayans as far as their healing opportunities. And so ironic when um, Dr. Lara, you were telling me the story about going there, and I had attended the wedding of Sierra's, and everything you were telling me was so reminiscent of what she had been through at her wedding and the ceremony, and it's really, it's really fascinating. And um, this all coming from a doctor that there might be some belief in the background that you are just giving people medication to get skinny. Right. Amazing. Right. Okay, so we're back from Guatemala, and you say it better. Say Guatemala. Guatemala. Ooh, it's so much better than the way I say it. <laughs> Guatemala. So you're back, and you, you've you been through a lot of trends. Just in this year, right? You closed your Tampa office. Yes. yes. <laughs> that was a big deal. That was a big deal. That was a big yes. deal. And then um, you have a St. Pete location that you've been at for what? seven years no we have been at the St. Pete location for uh, over 10 years oh so wow we actually I didn't realize it was 10 years in December 31st wow it's amazing okay yeah. so tell us about that experience with the close of St. Pete and and the the what happened in Guatemala to connect St. Pete and Guatemala yes <laughs> so approximately uh, 10 days before I left uh, to Guatemala mm -hmm. um, I had already finished my um, five-year second lease uh, under the same space mm -hmm. and I had spoken with the owner of the um, of the property and said you know this property is a little too big for me I need something different mm -hmm. is it okay if we go month to month in the midst of that he was supposed to be looking at maybe making the space smaller mm -hmm. or I was going to be looking at other alternatives so uh, we had some time he didn't feel a need for me to do anything mm -hmm. rushed but approximately um, uh, uh, 10 days prior to me leaving to Guatemala, he calls me and says, I'm sorry, but for, and he gave me all kinds of reasons uh, that were personal in nature. But the bottom line is that either I sign a three-year lease or starting in the month of March, hmm. I have to pay double the rent. Wow. Uh, keep in mind that the amount of rent for the regular <laughs> rent was already too much to begin with. Which sure. Was and you've been there 10 years. And I've been there 10 years. A paying tenant for, paying 10, tenant for 10 years. years. Yeah. And now your back's up against the wall. Yeah, Got right, it. Right. Half a million dollars worth of revenue that Oof. went in that direction. Um, Don't get me started. But to make a long story short, so <laughs> yes. I said, okay, mm -hmm. I went to Guatemala. I, I, I actually reflected upon the idea of mm -hmm. being able to cancel my trip, but mm -hmm. we had already done a lot of, wow. a lot of research, a lot of prepaying mm -hmm. and a lot of different things. So I said, no. 
I'm just going. want to go and things are going to work themselves out. Yep. And uh, within the context of <laughs> some of the energy work that I did, mm-hmm. I was able to become lighter mm-hmm. and become a more... Um, uh, connected mm-hmm. and lo and behold when mm-hmm. I come back within the context of that time thanks to angels like you who connected <laughs> me with Aria uh-huh. uh, they had some changes going in their mm-hmm. structure and before you know it the old space that was Aria which is first and first mm-hmm. uh, in downtown St. Pete, Pete across uh, from the Rowdies across, across from the Fresh Market in the signature building and, and 1200 square feet which oh, is ideally what I was been looking, looking for. for so it's, it's perfect so it, all of a sudden you realize that sometimes I'm shaking my head because I'm so happy sometimes when something <laughs> bad happens you yes. know something fantastic is around the corner and if we're it, open-minded to it so you let it go so I let it go and you gave it up I gave it up I said and you listen to the signs I listen to the signs I said to myself spirit mm-hmm. guide me I give it up to you and whatever will be will be yep. and um and you, you know, literally got, I want, I want the audience to know. So you get back from Guatemala and you have a new lease in yes. your hand. And when did you start? So what was the day that you got back? Today is the 16th, the day before my favorite day. Diddly do, diddly dee. If you're lucky to be Irish, you're lucky enough. The 16th of March. So you started seeing patients when? We started seeing patients there uh, this past Tuesday. <laughs> So uh, literally, uh, you're He's looking, looking at, at tw- his calendar. We, st- we started yep. seeing patients on the 13th. On the 13th? No. That was our first day <gasps> seeing patients. I'm high-fiving yeah. you. We, Are you we serious? Li- we literally moved out of the uh, old space mm. on the 9th, which is a Friday. And our first day of seeing patients is the 13th. I'm like, I'm crying. Let's just let the audience know that. That's. Well, it's, it's meaningful Jeez. because it all resonates we didn't even think about that we never thought about that until now hence the tears yeah wow wow Wow. we're not gonna cut though because that's what i would normally want to do we'll just keep going yeah okay so you're in the space you're in aria we're in aria in the signature building we've already connected with the rowdies at playing unplugged yes just with the doctor order you've met a rowdies player he's a health coach Right? We're listening to the signs. You're listening to the signs. You've given it up. We're moving on. And now you have the most beautiful space in downtown St. Petersburg, which was not cool when you moved here. Right. 20 plus years ago. That's right. (laughs) But the community is just evolving. It's changing. Yes. The amazing energy of St. Pete. Yes. The amazing energy of Tampa. Yes. The people that own Aria, amazing people. You've made great friends. Yes. Good people. Yes. Involved in their community. Give back. You're going to be a big part of Equality Florida. You've already become a sponsor. Um, We know Todd Richardson. We're, you know, we're going to be immersed. Yes. Yes. And that's all because of the work that you've done on you. Don't you agree? I I do. I I do feel that everything Mm -hmm. that I'm doing, as far as the work that I do, Mm -hmm. the intentions that I have are just opening up the doors and basically I don't have to have the effort Mm -hmm. to worry when you just let things become. I'm thinking about the 13th. I can't even. Yeah. (sighs) That's when I launched 13th Avenue Media. Yeah. Yeah. That's the street I lived on, 13th. That's my birthday, the 13th. And, And the reason that Scott and I made it a street sign was because we want everybody to pay attention to the signs. So, like, you don't have enough going on. You're also writing a book, right? <laughs> <laughs> so tell the audience about what you're doing with this book. And what is, your, what is the why behind the book? 
Well, it's really an empowerment book, mm -hmm. and it has a lot to do with what I have learned during these last 15, 20 years mm -hmm. of my journey as a physician. And it's literally uh, going down to the missing links towards a permanent weight loss solution. Mm -hmm. And it really talks about some of the more innovative concepts that we try to bring into the concept of uh, reaching and maintaining your permanent healthy weight, mm -hmm. uh, such as mitochondrial healthy health. Healthy weight for life. Health, healthy weight for life, yep. such as mitochondrial health, mm -hmm. and how important that is, uh, looking at the microbiome, looking at hormones. So really it's... A, Their Wi-Fi password is healthy living. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so, all true. So the, so the book is really my way of being able to uh, develop a different platform in which I, I can begin to educate, motivate, and be help able people to globally, help people globally. And not just Tampa Bay. Exactly be able to help them mm -hmm. uh, empower themselves because what I know is not something that anybody else shouldn't be able to know. Right. Everybody should be able to know these basic principles, concepts, and be able to change their life because yep. at the end of the day, you don't need anybody to heal you. You just need yourself so you can begin mm. to heal yourself. So if I can share that wisdom, if I can share that knowledge, then that comes together to empower those people to self-heal themselves, which is my ultimate purpose in life. Well, that is one good purpose to have, right? So we're going to wrap it up. Um, are there any final thoughts that you want to leave to the audience of 13th Avenue Media? And the Dr. Whisperer? Who knows where this will go? <laughs> well, for the Dr. Whisperer, I wish you, with all my intentions and all my love, much success and continual opportunities to help empower others in your journey as you continue to evolve. Collaborate with and, other doctors. Yes. You're helping other doctors right now by your story, and we will continue to do that for our community and more. And uh, for the listeners out there, uh, just uh, recognize that... Uh, if you think you can or if you think you can't, either way you're right. So we need mm -hmm. to recognize that we need to either live our own dreams or be an expression of somebody else's dream. Mm -hmm. So my intention is for all of you to live your own dream. I think that that's the best way to wrap it up. So I'm going to go live my dream now and get on my bicycle. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Have an awesome weekend, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.